And it needed to be needed to be expedient and it needed to be sent out to the masses immediately. So I had to go through the only the only place I could, the only hand the, the MIT's hand organ uh, hand organ? What, what 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 do they call themselves? The uh, The Accordions? What? No, it's a... Uh, uh, I mean I can look uh, you know what whatever. I'll just look it up. Give me one sec. You can obviously edit this like in a much better way. I'll, I'll just give you like <laughs> ten. Just give me like ten seconds. <laughs> Let me just do some wizarding magic to make this whole segment sound better. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, no, you don't know. You don't even have to make it sound better. You can just say like. I'll make us all sound smarter in post. to welcome our wonderful audience to episode eight of Eggs and Tangent Quarantine Dispatch, which is the internet podcast version of the same antics we would normally get up to if we were in the studio at WMBR. I am no longer in Cambridge. I am in a faraway city known as Boston. And I'm there because I got a short-term lease on a place that's a one-bedroom apartment here in Boston. It's pretty, it's pretty nice. Um, I'm glad to be here, both in the podcast and in a place where I can lay my head and sleep comfortably. I do miss, like, I don't know, I feel like the last few days I've felt more than ever how I miss, like, the simple human contact and, like, daily inter- interfaces I have with other people. I mean, I'm sure, like, I've had this feeling before, but having my own place as opposed to staying with a friend in Cambridge. And it's a little different feeling being on my own. Um, I will notice little things about how I act in this space because I'm on my own and I'm not living with other people. Um, the first thing I noticed is that when I go to use the restroom, I just, I just leave the door open, you know? There's no one, there's no one there. Who's gonna who's gonna walk in and see what I'm doing? And if and if someone does, then that's actually that's actually good because if it, they're probably a criminal, um, <laughs> and I need to jump up and, and off the toilet and fight them off. Yeah, you've always got you've got your uh, toilet sword with you on, on your side, always on the ready for for an attacker. Yeah, when I was being evicted from MIT campus, I I packed a suitcase full of clothes. I put my technology in my backpack and I. Um, I also hoisted up my toilet sword on my belt. Um, those are the essentials. So, speaking of essentials, um, I, I'm kind of curious. What what objects are you guys using every day that if you didn't have, your life would be dramatically different? Uh, yeah, I'd say a toilet paper. I use it every day, even if it's not for my the wiping of my, my anus. <laughs> <laughs> what else are you using it for? Physics P-sets? I can't say this on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It is forbidden content. We keep it PG-18 here. It's going to be a point of discussion on the after show, which you can access by being one of the hosts of the Exit Quarantine (laughs) Dispatch tangent. Um, Yeah, on our our premium episode. Yeah, our premium episode. It's so exclusive that only the four of us are allowed to listen to it. Correct. If you uh, pay the extra $100 per week, then you can get access to that as well. We'll send you the link. That is not That is not true. <laughs> if you pay us an extra $100 a week, you will have the satisfaction of throwing your money away for a podcast. But under under no circumstances will the after show ever be published. 
<laughs> like and subscribe, and and, uh, and you too can be part of the quarantine nation. <laughs> oh God. I just opened the blinds. I wanted to look out at the street because there's a there's a commotion on, going on outside. Oh, are there protests? <laughs> it's Misky's would be toilet assassin. <laughs> oh, um, no, there's a guy. There's a guy fighting another guy. I think uh, future me went back in time um, and is currently fighting him out in the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. You you get a little bit of a street side theater going on from your from your apartment. Yeah, anyway, it's a nice place. Wow, so selfish. Future Misky came back in time to save himself, but not tell us about coronavirus. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's because there's, like, some, like, really weird silver lining coming, like, <laughs> three or four months out that none of us could have foreseen. I, I, I'm I'm having a hard time even imagining what that sort of silver lining could be. Well, I mean, we could have uh, socialized health care. Um, that as a result of this pandemic, theoretically, in some alternate universe where people in in power have sort of like any regard for humanity, um, that'd be nice. I was thinking like aliens are about to vaporize the entire planet, but then, then they saw the coronavirus and they were like, "Oh, they're having a hard time as it is. Like, let's give them a break." Maybe the aliens are the coronavirus. You know, if we keep this train going, eventually we'll reinvent Scientology. <laughs> that's a good. It's a good plan. I I don't know if it'll work, but we can try. Who would be the replacement for Xenu? Who would would be the analogous entity? Um, I guess whatever alien brought coronavirus. Hmm. I don't think it's a good thing to to call pangolins um, aliens. I mean, they're aliens to someone. You know how they say it's five o'clock somewhere? Well, it's five o'clock in the pangolin alien planet. Huh? That was stupid. <laughs> 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 Have any of you ever heard of the excerpts edited by Michael Iglesias, Hector's brother? Oh, fuck <laughs> you. How did you find out about that? So there's um, a piece of work from Michael Iglesias, the, the artist, and he has edited together all the ums and ahs together from <laughs> one of Hector's radio productions. It was the first uh, episode of Doe or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Simpsons. Can you tell us a little more about that production, Hector? Like, seriously, or are you here just to troll me? No, I'm actually being serious. Though I'm using my kind of fake voice. Well, you know, it's a good thing you're my friend, and and, uh, because otherwise I would have just called you a massive Whoa, 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 whoa. What? You usually call me that anyway, even though we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> so first show that I ever did at WNBR was called Doe or How I Learned to Stop Wearing and Love the Simpsons. It was a radio show where I would talk about one season of The Simpsons every single week. It started off February, so it's so spring 2017. First episode wasn't the first season. It was just a preface to the entire show. So I talked about early history of the show, how it started, how Matt Groening came up with the show the origins of the show and the Tracy Ullman show, like within the Tracy Ullman show, which was a different sort of one of those sales, like one of those like late night shows, but it had kind of like some sketches in there. And so the Simpsons was one 
of those like sketches was animated, very crudely drawn, but that's where it started. I did it with a, a guest who was a senior lived on my hall called Rudy. So I had him on as a guest, but he was there on practically every week. So he was like practically a co-host. Uh, so we talked about a season of Simpsons every week. And so that infamous thing that my brother did was after I told him to listen to it, you know, in my eager freshman side of myself. And sure enough, the fucko had the gall, the balls to... Uh, the gall balls. The gall balls to record it and edit it in such a way as to completely misrepresent me and and the show. That's all I have to say on the matter. You felt misrepresented? Uh, like, mm, uh, mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> Can you name a few other times in your life where you felt misrepresented? Oh my god, it's like a fucking therapy session. Mm, mm, mm. Speaking of therapy sessions, um, so have you guys had a had an MIT life coach? Oh, the success coaches? No, that was a month ago. Actually, wait, I do have a question for you, for you guys. Uh, I mean, so you, you asked if we had one. My question is, well, first off, no, I didn't have one because I respond. I haven't. I didn't respond to those emails. And I was going to respond. It was on my to-do list. But, like, all the things on my to-do list, they haven't been done yet. Except for a couple things that I have to do for UT. Because it's, it's grad school and I have to do it. But the other things I haven't done yet. So I didn't respond to those emails. And I looked up the last email that was sent to me by my the live coach that was assigned to me. Or, the sorry, the success coach. And they were like, okay, I'm going to assume, you know, you don't really want this. So I'm just going to, you know, skedaddle. And if you want to use this resource just shoot me an email uh or smoke fire you know smoke signals you know whatever you want so my question is i don't know I, you know what what is a, a success coach or whatever because I, I i i had no idea what it was i thought it was something that was lame so i figured i wouldn't want i would want one less lame thing mm. in my life at the moment well, quick straw poll. Did anyone continue the requesting the services of the student success coach? My answer is no. I, I just ignored the email. <laughs> oh, okay, I guess. Wait, what about you, Misky, then? So my assigned success coach was uh, President Raphael Wright. That's a tough get. I should have seen this coming. So uh, actually, I'm kidding. My success coach was actually my um, the superintendent at the reactor, who is kind of my boss in some ways. Um, in the operations group at the MIT Nuclear Reactor Lab. And we kind of talk anyway, like regularly. So when they emailed me telling me that they were assigned me, I responded and said, yeah, okay, let's talk every week on Monday and we'll have like a chat about how life is going, the good and the bad, and also just communicate like the facets and interesting facts about the reactor reopening this summer potentially. So it kind of worked for me, and it's kind of nice to have a formal system for talking to them instead of just, like, reaching out whenever we have the need to. So it kind of worked for me, but I, I think it kind of worked because I already knew the person, and I kind of understood their background and such. But I have a feeling that, and maybe this has just been confirmed, I have a feeling that most students don't care or need or use this service well i think as far as like us as seniors go like in my like own perspective like i think it's like just adding another thing like on top of like all the other shit like at this point in like my like undergraduate experience just seems so like 
unnecessary. So I was just like, right. whatever. And like, there there is there is that case where like some people do get like success coaches that like they they already know, which is like good and like convenient. But in my case, my success coach was. Um, one of the people who works in the spaces that, uh, that the lighting group that I worked for uses. Um, so like I knew her, but like, I was like, I don't understand like how you can help me in any capacity right now. Like I have like worked with her in the past, like, or like called her to like get spaces open or to like request the use of a space or something like that for, for lighting gigs in the past. And so like, we have like a relatively like semi-cordial relationship, but I was, but like, I was like, this is like not the role that I want you to have in my life. So I was like, no, sorry. I don't know. I, I just think it's patronizing uh, for someone to think they can help me uh, with wiping my own ass. I, I don't need any help with that. I don't need a success coach for that. Yeah, it's weird that they like mentioned that in the release that they when they announced the student success coaches, they were like, they're going to help you over Zoom to wipe your ass um, just in case you didn't know. Um, g- give you give you hot tips on how to wipe your ass in a in a during a TP shortage. Exactly, there are people without toilet paper. I don't know what the f- I don't know what the hell's going on in their in their damn minds. Yeah, they were just talking about wiping your ass in toilet paper in the announcement. It was like the announcement. It was like three thousand words, and I swear to God, like twenty five hundred of them were about wiping your ass. It was so weird. Hmm. Yeah, the, the the person who they assigned to me was some person in our department. Or, well, my department. Oh, well, also my department. So half of our... De- yeah. <laughs> half of our collective departments. Uh, who is in a lab group who, that I have no affiliation with and who has been at MIT for a shorter time than I have. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just like, I don't know what I'm going to get from you. Defining short, was that, what was it, like 28 days or something? <laughs> <laughs> like like the last year. Okay. <laughs> so, so like, like, if anything, I should be your successful. You know? <laughs> Whoa, that's that's powerful. You you can explain all the course numbers to your student success coach. <laughs> did did you uh, did you email home that? No, I I I, I ignored it uh, on the assumption that they would not bother me again, which has thus far been correct. But they just kept sending you emails like, "Hey," and then the next email was just like. Hey, buddy. And then the next email is just like, poke, poke. <laughs> you up. Just keeps going like more and more like annoying like that. Like, like basically like 2011 era of, of Facebook or I guess even before just like when people would just poke each other and, you know, I'd be using Farmville and someone would poke me and I just get annoyed and, and, and shut down Facebook. <laughs> Slide into my, my LinkedIn DMs be like, hey, it looks like you didn't see my email. Just wanted to check in. <laughs> <laughs> um, that hasn't happened to me, but uh, I always see people post just like their DMs with something like that. M- most mostly, mostly it's it's women who yeah. receive those DMs. But yes, it's very weird, but it's also very hilarious. By the way, you said you would uh, shut down Facebook. Would you like find the secret like data farm servers that they have like in in fucking Hawaii and just unplug it? No, no, I I I, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I don't have enough money to to go all the way to Hawaii. I just close the tab. It's yeah, cost you, you close, the thing is, if you close the tab, all of Facebook shuts down. It's it's a really weird bug that they haven't fixed yet. <laughs> Photos you take and post on Facebook might uh, end up being used in some way to like advertise to you. But now that everybody's just stuck in their 
fucking homes and their and their rooms, uh, what would they get advertised? Like, oh, here's some some nice wallpaper to paint over that garish uh, color that's behind you. You're just taking this the same same background, same window with the blinds that don't work, um, with the, the 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 billboards in the back outside the window that said, uh, "Call five 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 the pain." If if you've ever uh, in, a, in a car accident, yeah. I, well, I mean, like there was that. Um, I, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago that like Ben Levin put out an EP called Fake, and it's really good. Uh, I'll probably put it in the relevant links section if I remember to do that. Although I will remember to do it because I'm editing this, and so I'll be listening back to myself. <laughs> and like the first song is called like Third Little Pig in parentheses. What should I buy? Um, and it's like, you know, like he, he has this like mm. breakdown section where he's like doing this, like, uh, like Mimi auto tune singing where he's like, it's a good time to buy when I hate myself. It's a good time to buy when I hate myself. It's a good time to buy when I hate myself. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, yeah, some people like don't like just straight up don't have money so they can't buy anything. Um, and that sucks real bad. Um, but like for me, like I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about like, you know, like music production and like, and like music, like, like, like instruments and gear and things like that. Like, I don't have any intention of buying any of that shit because it would be a really stupid idea right now considering where I'm at, like monetarily. Mm -hmm. But like, I've definitely like just been like in this like weird thing where I'm just like looking at all of these things that cost hundreds of dollars and like listening to people talk about it in, in, in a way where I usually don't do that. This actually reminds me of a time during middle school where I would watch a ton of online content and read a ton of Wikipedias and, and like, you know, lore about games I couldn't run on my computer <laughs> because they were either too intense or I didn't have the money to buy them. Um, one, such, one such example is Civilization V. Before that game came out, I would read about it extensively and I would, I would watch uh numbers of playthroughs just because i like really thought it was a cool game it looked fun so if, if civilization itself the series or the, uh, the the fifth one in the series don't remember which one has the, the character muhammad gandhi muhammad gandhi uh, <laughs> with the capability with with the, with, the, with the capability of blowing up the entire world with a nuke if you just uh slight him in what a mashup uh, i'm sorry i'm sorry you said did you say muhammad gandhi like the mixture between like the muslim <laughs> prophet and the and the guy who who who, who, who like liberated india no I, I said the latter i didn't say muhammad okay mahatma yeah i mean for what it's worth mahatma and muhammad aren't incredibly different words but i think that they do mean a lot to obviously a lot of people and that will be that, that is noted with what I'm saying right now. <laughs> so everybody knows that typical badass you might see on Facebook or somewhere from back home that that posts that that image of them with the, with the guns and like a mask. Uh, and then this is pre-pandemic. And, and and they're just like you know, no one likes me when I'm angry. The the devil inside me, all this stuff. Or, or or they might or they might have a post where it's a picture of them in a suit in front of a building, and they're just like, "Yep, business." And and then with like <laughs> fifty million hashtags, right? Which is all 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 single words, right? Business .jpg. So so you have these guys that do that that you, that you know probably in your life. Well, the real real life equivalent of that 
But with failed coups happened over the past weekend in Venezuela, there was like this mercenary company called Silvercore who were, were caught in Venezuela trying to, to overthrow the government. Uh, I think specifically there was a, I think there was a, a couple of like Americans who, or I guess expatriates who, who were there who were trying to help some um, small groups of, of soldiers or militia or whatever. But, but the hilarious thing is the fact that these guys, these Silver Corps employees, they're, they're, they're the social media is something worth looking into. And I'm like looking, looking at a couple of like their Instagram posts right now. And all of them are just uh, posts with, of, with them in suits in front of like, like maybe one at a Trump rally and is just like protecting our greatest assets. And it just like has like blinding light. Cause you can't see anybody. There's like a guy that's bald. So it's like reflecting off his head and he's just like pointing off in the distance. You don't know what he's pointing to. And you just have like a bunch of like comments that are just like, you know, some like MAGA heads that are complimenting him on it. But the hilarious thing is that they, they, they posted uh, like this, I think the silver core Instagram like posted an image a, a post the day before the attempted uh, like overthrow happened, I don't know. I, I I just think it's like interesting. You would think that a mercenary group or um, what's this like a security forces organization or company or whatever, you would think like someone like them who you think would be professional would not post any of their activities online. You'd think so. It, it reminds me a lot of like some of like the, the, some of like the failed crap that the CIA had done in the past that just like utterly blowed up in their face. Like the Bay of Pigs is another example. Are people, are people like posting tweets where they're like about to stage a coup hashtag just merch things. <laughs> merch is short for mercenary, of course. Well, well it's like one of the captured like, like American mercenaries there had his, uh, his, his VA card. That's kind of crazy. I heard about this in the news. Um, I just pulled up an article because I wanted to learn more. And it looks like these people were are were internally motivated. I suppose it, it seems like these people are just kind of... Oh, okay, okay. Some of them had background to the U.S. military, but they're not active U.S. military. You know, they're part of this, like... Uh, I mean, people, like, call them a mercenary group. I'm pretty sure that that's what they are, but it's just, like, some security forces group that is comprised of a lot of like ex-military people yeah i i was reading about it a little bit and my initial thought was like yeah like i guess i could kind of believe that it's just some like people doing this of their own accord because it seems so poorly executed but then i was like well like previous like u.s coups and interventions in foreign countries have been like a lot more subtle and you know when they're discovered you know like like the iran contra affair like it becomes a really big deal but like if you had like like thinking about it like if there was any sort of like coup that this current administration would try to pull it, w- it would be something of this like just like terribly executed like poorly planned like immediately obvious type of thing yeah i mean like people are just not trying as hard as they used to to do anything i think uh, it, it, like even before the pandemic you know um the like 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 when that guy tried to like just become president of Venezuela just by like oh Guaido yeah he was trying to do the fucking Jedi mind trick of like I'm the president now and and then like there were some people in America that were like he's the president now and everyone was like what the fuck uh, well there there was also that video no there was also that video of of him and a few other people trying to jump a fence into the uh, 
I think they're like some government building, some government building, but but they couldn't they couldn't climb the fence. So that's why that's why they didn't become president. <laughs> that's why he did. That's why he didn't become. That's why he didn't you become president. You have to climb the presidential fence. It's like Ninja Warrior. You have to go through all these <laughs> obstacles, and then you can become the president. What what would be like the athletic analog of a mer- meritocracy? Um, let me think. I mean, isn't that what isn't that what you're proposing right there? Yeah, I'm I'm proposing like 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 maybe it's a mixture of like Ninja Warrior and Wakanda or something, <laughs> just like <laughs> athletic prowess and, and 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 skill at violence. There would probably be a signing or a sign off. People have to try and write their name as many times as possible on random acts and bills without knowing what they're actually doing. <laughs> Four years of my life have been very uh, dynamic. My character has changed somewhat. Hopefully, I I'm curious to to hear from you guys if you think my character has changed at all in the last four years. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any uh, examples or, or context on how my character has changed? Yes. Yep. And they are sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing right now because. Because I do it during, during okay. <laughs> every morning when we have lecture, every, the gotta go fast. Like, hey, <laughs> does <laughs> does anyone have any questions? I'm on it, and everyone's like, "Yeah, absolute genius uh, comedy." <laughs> I I will assume <laughs> I will assume that you aren't saying anything because. You don't want to insult me on on our podcast. No, I just don't, no. I feel like the, like like if I were to describe the ways that I think that you've changed, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't make it into the podcast because it would be too too scrutious, as we like to say. Too too good for your own good. I suppose that's probably a good thing then, because you know I want to look good in the eyes of my fellow man and in the eyes of God who is listening to this podcast. Yeah, you don't want to look too good. Uh, nobody likes a, 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 a too goody two shoes. I don't know how you'd be able to enter the pearly gates of heaven when you have uh, Saint uh, Paul. Uh, reading from your from the excerpt of the Book of Life, looking to your page and seeing just like a massive wall of text, and be like, "Okay, this is too much." And then he just closes the book and he's like, "Okay, yeah, whatever." And then shoes you away. Speaking of Hector, do you want to hear about the ways that you've changed over the last four years? Oh, sure, sure. You know, let's see. I, I, I know how I've changed. You start. You yeah, start. okay. I started off MIT freshman year not knowing how to properly tie my shoes because I uh, did not pay attention in pre-K to that, that specific day where we were learning how to tie our shoes on these plastic shoes with shoelaces. And, you know, I didn't pay attention, learned it in my own way. And, and then so ever since then, up until freshman year of MIT, I tied my shoes, however how way I tied my shoes. It, it was like sort of like the bunny method, but it wasn't exactly. I never bothered to look up a YouTube video. So then I went to you know freshman year, MIT, finally did it. And now I know how to tie my shoes properly. All right. This is all true. I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not joking. This is this is a 100 percent not made up, not totally bullshit uh, a thing. I will say that I think you've changed in other ways, for example, I think that you've gotten a little more realistic. Buffer? Um, maybe maybe a little more jaded. More cut? Um, 
<laughs> a little a little more trim. The way you're describing me makes me makes it sound as if I'm some sort of fucking lawn. Like 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 if like if, like if uh, there's like some like landscaped uh, landscaper that's like cutting and trimming me. Um, as a resident, uh, you know, Mexican American here, I'm the only one that can do that. Freshman year, Hector was getting uh, fined by the <laughs> HOA all the time because he was just too long. He was bringing down the property values, and now he's he's well trimmed, very good lawn discipline, excellent excellent stuff. Every spray we pour shit all over him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right i think i'm I, I think i'm done with this lawn analogy uh lawn metaphor um <laughs> all right wait in what ways have i gotten more realistic uh i think i don't know i think that you were a lot more hopeful about like in some ways you still are but like hopeful about like the nature of like groups and what things can like what like good organizations do and like what the nature of a, what the nature of a good organization is wait like at mit or <sighs> both at mit and generally like i think that you as much as you know all of us have i don't know how much i think that's true because like from the get-go after seeing that after like that senior house stuff happened like when we were entering mit this is like in the summer like seeing that news kind of just got me like ah shit and then for the rest of the time, as like me living there in East Campus, just seeing like problems after problems arise, like from admin to senior yeah, house. Yeah, realistic. That that happened like before MIT. <laughs> it happened more, and and it has continued to flex your body. Oh well, yeah, but like I mean that I mean I think that's gonna happen to you know to uh, someone who like you know throughout the four years. Like I'm pretty sure that's gonna happen to my brother, you know, while he's gonna be there for the next three years. Well, I'm starting out with the easy adjectives so I can work my way up to the harder ones. By the way, I remember when the summer stuff, this, the news about Senior House, like originally when we were pre-frosh, that like they were like, oh, we're not letting freshmen live in Senior House. Like I remember like in the sort of like intervening year between when they did that and when they just were like, fuck you, Senior House is shut down. That was like, I, I was like super Pollyanna about the whole situation. I was like, really? we're going to fight against uh, the, the, the powers that be, you know, student government like matters and is in influential and like has influence and power over 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 what actually happens at MIT and as soon as they shut down uh senior house I was like fuck this like they can do whatever they want they don't give a shit about students and I've like and I took that attitude with me for the following three years that's a good segue to Hadrian's changes so how has Hadrian changed over the last few years I don't know you tell me (laughs) I think Hadrian's gotten a little more aware of himself i don't think he puts up fake uh objectives that he can't do yeah he's realized he has two working limbs what hadrian doesn't believe that he is the messiah (laughs) yeah i i I went through a weird phase uh sophomore fall where i was convinced that i was the messiah (laughs) i was hoping you wouldn't bring it up on the podcast but i guess here we are now it's just making me now it's making me wonder if there was someone like that on campus (laughs) like at any time while we were there like, oh, you don't remember? I was going to say, Benjamin Netanyahu is an MIT alum, so... Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's true, yeah. No, wait, wait, what dorm did he live in? It wasn't... It wasn't I think it was Senior House. house. Was it? Oh, uh, wait. Uh, <laughs> wait, really? so. <laughs> it's funny to say that... It's, it's funny to think that, anyway. All right, and so how has Noah changed over the, the course of the last four years? Am I supposed to answer for myself? <laughs> no. <laughs> he's, he's only asking that to be polite. <laughs> I 
I'm trying to remember like us freshman year uh, and how, what what I can and can't say. I didn't really like talk uh, to any of you guys freshman year, so yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I remember talking to you. Yeah, but not that much. I mean, we we, we like did 1803 together, but that was about it. Ah. Fuck, I, oh, God, I remember that. For those of you who don't know, 1803 is differential equations. You you just triggered Hector. Oh, yeah, right? no, because, I, mean, I, I mean, I ended up learning how to do differential equations for, for 803, which is just w- waves, uh, the physics class. Because it was the same same semester, I was taking 1803. And, my God, just, just doing 1803, just, like, how they did it was so dry and 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 really just boring i don't know what, what how else i can explain it i i like it, it, it did feel like i was learning in a math class it was really yeah it, it was boring it was like the class was like super easy like i, I just remember like every week i would go up to fifth east with like the because like because like where i lived like the only other person that was in the class like did all the p sets like within five seconds of receiving them and it was not very helpful <laughs> so i would just go up to go up to fit these and and then like we would start working on the p set around 10 p.m 11 and then we'd finish around four or five and like i think there was one week like towards the end of the semester where i only did like 60 percent of the p set and got an 85 somehow so that was the kind of like standard of grading that people were dealing with at the time. It was like, I didn't learn shit. I still got a B. And like, there wasn't a single class where I ever used any of that, th- that differential equation material ever again. What? Like, I tried to take a class, like a nonlinear dynamics class back when I was a math major. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and then like, but, but like, I went to the first lecture and then like the, the professor did like a derivation. Like, the, like it was like the whole lecture, it was a ha- hour and a half. There were two derivations. And the whole time she was like, and this is just something that follows from like 1803. Like you should know this from 1803. And like I didn't, so I just dropped the class. <laughs> I was like, oh. I'm not gonna fuck around with this anymore. I mean, I took class in mechanics three last semester, and we did a we did a bit of nonlinear dynamics like towards the end of the class and some a bit of chaos theory. Um, though I will say that was a part of the class that I just did not pay attention. <laughs> but not 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 it was it was because I had a lot, I had a lot of a lot of stuff to do. Um, so I'm not, not too keen on chaos theory as I could have been. I think that I was a little more reclusive my sophomore year because I was busier with my courses being a little bit harder. Yeah, and you went hard as fuck freshman year. You were crazy. Yeah, I was like in recovery for a year. Like from like from working a lot. No, from just doing everything. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, I see, I see, I see, I see. I D I E I F I G. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> uh. No, I mean, like, even though I did, I do think I had more of, like, a public, like, insanity um, my freshman year. I had more of a private insanity my sophomore year. Oh, I've been there, buddy, also, as well. <laughs> sophomore year was shit. It sucked so bad. 
I think it was a very public insanity. Like I, I was like, like sophomore fall, like, 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 like I joked earlier that the, I, I made the Messiah joke earlier, which, which made, which makes it difficult to like have, have like the real estate for like the actual reality of the situation to, to fit in the narrative of this podcast. So I'm going to retcon <laughs> it and actually talk about my real experience with sophomore fall, which is that it fucking sucked. It was really bad. I was, uh, I was taking four and a half classes, which is the most I've ever taken. Um, some people take a lot more like Miss does every single semester wait is that the most you've ever taken throughout all four years yeah every other semester i took four classes wow that's wild except for sophomore fall where i took uh six triple two which was the second half of the semester because i was having such a horrible time right. that i figured the way to solve it was to take another class um <laughs> That sounds like an MIT student. Yeah, and and so like I, I just declared a math major, um, and then like freshman spring, like I had just come off the heels of like failing real analysis, um, which was fine. It, it was one of those situations where like I came into MIT with a lot of hubris, where I was like, oh, like I'm really good at school, like from uh, like you know like middle of nowhere Texas standpoint, where like nobody cares about anything. Um, and so, like, you know, I'll go to MIT and, like, I'll just do the hardest thing like I always did when I was in high school. And then I just got shit all over uh, for multiple semesters. Um, and, and, and freshman spring was the start of that by, like, I, I made a really stupid decision to take three math classes. I took DFEQ, which we talked about. I took um, real analysis, which I failed. And then I took uh, discrete math, which was taught by a awful professor i'm not going to say his name out of i guess respect for his like actual uh, accomplishments i don't want to mention who he is but he's a <laughs> wait oh, it's i'm gonna cut this out nah fuck that the, the guy doesn't teach quantum computation any any good no he's 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 like the worst professor i've ever had like hands down but he is an accomplished like researcher in his field oh, so. i mean sure but the, the, but but the, but the thing is that like I, I had a friend take uh 8370 which is quantum computing about like a year or two ago when he was teaching it and he dropped the class because he just couldn't take awful teaching. That's, that's, that's how it is. Yeah, he, so he's an awful professor. And so I really struggled in that class. Like, I thought the material was interesting, but like, I, there was nobody to help me, which was the case for like, like, it was like 1803, like the Diffie Q's, like, was super easy so I could handle it. But then when it came to real analysis and discrete math, which, by the way, is a stupid, like, thing to do to take both of those classes at the same time. Like, I, there was nobody to help me because, like, I was in a situation where, like, in the case of real analysis, everyone was doing way better than I was because, like, I was taking the harder version of real analysis because I thought I had something to prove as a dumbass freshman. And, like, I, I took the midterm and I got, like, a fucking 55 or something. Like, I got a pretty bad score. And then somebody, like, I, I was, like, sitting in stat or whatever, and somebody offhandedly mentioned, like, oh, yeah, the average on the midterm was, like, an 85, and I just wanted to die. Um, that was a pretty bad time. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm rambling off about how bad freshman spring was because of these two, because of these factors. But like at the end of that, I came out of it and I was like, okay, well, I've been defeated this semester, but that's fine. Cause I'm just going to keep on moving forward. Cause you know, we, we had like, if you're a freshman at MIT, you can fail a class and it doesn't show up on your transcript. So I was okay having failed the class. And I was like, all right, well, you know, tomorrow's another day. Let's go forward with uh, sophomore fall. And then I did. I did that. Um, and it was absolutely miserable. Like I took, um, I took bio, which is required. And I hated that class a lot. Um, I took intro to algorithms, which was like in a weird transitionary, trans transitionary phase. And, um, there were a lot of things that were super weird about it, and a lot of people were super agitated with the way that it was that it was being run, myself included. Um, and like, I didn't have any coding background, so like, I couldn't really do the coding assignments. Like, I could do the algorithms, but not the code. 
Um, I took um, shit. What did I? What else did I take? Oh, I took uh, I took Michael Sipser's class. I took uh, theory of computation, um, which was like. A good class. Michael Sipser is one of the only good, like, teachers uh, in, in the math department. Um, but, like, I really shit the bed on the second half of that class um, during, like, the, the, like, the complexity portion of it, the computational complexity portion, which, like, I don't, I don't know how many people listening to this are going to know what I'm talking about, but that's something. Um, and then I took, uh, I took a music class, um, which was like my like free space on the bingo board or whatever. Um, and like, I was absolutely fucking miserable the whole time. Like anytime there was like a bio like exam that like we were supposed to be studying for, like I was really like, I I had this stupid, like, like, like vicious circle loop that I had with the bio class where I'd be like, this class is bullshit. I don't need to think about it. And then when it came time for the exams, like I would just be mad at myself for not having like engage with the material in any meaningful way so that when when the people around me were like yeah i get this you know it's part of the process here with the with the with the lipidocell or whatever i I, i'd just be sitting there like i don't know what the fuck they're saying like i'm gonna fail this exam and then i'm gonna die and then it's gonna be the afterlife and st peter's gonna tell me i didn't do well enough at bio so i have to go to hell or like whatever <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a fairly pessimistic person, as you may have gathered from from, from listening to me. Um, no, at that point, like I was like I was really just like negative. I was really miserable. I was angry. I was like taking that like misery and angry like out on other people. Like I was just in absolute rock fucking bottom, and and like that was that was a really bad time. Um, although the reason that I took six triple o two was that like. At a certain point, like, whatever, like, a couple weeks before you needed to do the the second half-term registration, I was like, this isn't fucking working. Like, I need another strategy because I can't just keep doing this forever. So I I was at least smart enough to, like, know that that what I was doing wasn't good. Um, And, like, my path to that was basically, like, oh, like, I'm interested, like, transportation seems interesting. So, like, I might, like, continue being a math major and, like, study, like, this operational research, uh, operations research stuff like in in the civil engineering department and things like that there was a there was an operations research class in uh, in the aerospace department that seemed pretty interesting and so and it had 6002 as a prereq so i was like okay well um if i want to take it like later like i might as well take 6002 now just because it's it's a nothing class for me like because i i had this sort of like i knew that i had the skills to at least like to spend as little time as possible on that class and like still like get a decent grade um so that's exactly what i did um, and, and so, like, that was my sophomore fall. It sucked real bad. And that was a really long, uh, explanation of that for, for me just talking to, for me responding to Miski talking about his sophomore year. Anyways, continue. All right. So I'm continuing. My name is Miski. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to have you back. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's been a minute. Um, I think that people can tend to go off on easily on long rants oh man great mind sync alike exactly i i also wanted to think about the, the future so as we're moving through this moment of our lives while things are changing and the world is going through a massive crisis this is kind of a turning point you know it's a turning point in the usa <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> if this is a turning point, uh, concave up, concave down. Uh, you know what would you? Say? <laughs> I would say it's concave down. Hopefully, because hopefully we'll have a recovery. Concave down? 
Do you know what that it's where the positive the positive y axis is suffering? <laughs> yes, exactly. If it's concave down, it means like any it's like unstable. It means at any point you well, I would agree, wouldn't you agree that this this is pretty unstable right now? You accelerationist. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, I'm a, I'm a reactionary, uh, but <laughs> like I was, is that why you name drop turning point? <laughs> I, I think we're all just being super post ironic right now. Anyway, I think that this is a moment to kind of look to the future and try and think about how our lives are going to change after this. And also, you know, in general, graduating college, how we take the next steps. I know that one of us is doing a PhD program and another one of us is going for their master's. I know two of us are interested in getting some more job experience and making long-term considerations after that. That's such a weird way to word it. We're interested in getting more job experience because the alternative is starvation. Which is, which is what you get when you go to grad school. Yeah, exactly. What I didn't realize was that people don't tend to go to grad school right after uh, graduating. It's super normal, like, at MIT only. Like, the the fact that people even go to grad school in the first place is, like, super, like like, uncommon, like, outside of, like, the the highest institutions or whatever. So, that is true. Yeah, because, like, I'll be there and I'll be, like, 20, 22, 23. I'll just be like, fuck. Given that usually older people start graduate studies or people start graduate studies at an older age, do you, this applies to Hector and Noah, do you feel ahead of your, ahead of the, ahead of your time, sort of, like, groundbreaking researchers do you feel mature for your age oh yeah hell yeah dude everybody fucking sucks i'm better than everyone uh (laughs) just just everyone can go suck my wiener for all i care um nah i mean i'm doing it just because i mean there was like obviously alternatives but and and obviously i made these these choices before this whole pandemic stuff started yeah there was no way to like turn around and decide to start applying to grad school in march i thought about it for a second and then i was like that no well there yeah i mean i I think there are programs that are maybe not now but i think even like a like a month or two ago we're still still have the deadlines there but 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 in any case uh yeah i i I had decided like some point last year that i was I, i did want to go to grad school um I, I still wasn't exactly familiar with the whole process at all. Um, I know there was, I know there's a program at MIT called, what is it? LNL. It's like Lobels and Laureates, or I don't know what the acronym stands for, but, but it, it like helps students who are, I think they like come from underrepresented backgrounds or like are just minorities, which check, check for me, for me. And uh, like it, it gives them a lot of info about uh, trying to apply to grad school. Like it gives them, uh, like I think study stuff uh, and even aid, like like I think pays for your um, GREs and stuff. So which I could have applied with a software and I didn't because I didn't even know that was a thing. And most of my friends from fifties like did it, and now none of them are uh, applied to grad school at all. <laughs> so uh, so yeah. Well, some people. Some people think that this is a great time to go into grad school because the job market might be suffering due to economic and pandemic downturn. But at the same time, if you... Yeah, but not only that, first of all, yeah, it's, it sucks to be a grad student. Sorry, guys. And then second of all, like, if that's the rationale, if if people are like, oh, I'm going to go into grad school, like, like, there are still only a limited number of, like, graduate student positions available at any 
university. So like that's not like the magic silver bullet that's gonna like cure everything to like just go in into like a master's program even because like there are only so many slots that they can offer, especially because universities are like losing money. So it's like if you want like a a, a stipend for your for your research, like I guess you're not really gonna get it as a master's student. It's more common for PhDs, but like you're just putting yourself into like ass loads of debt, which then you'll have to like deal with later. And and like maybe it's like better to do that than to like not have a job at all and and, and figure that out. But like, it, that that doesn't seem like the correct rationale to be a grad student because like like I can't stress this enough. It fucking sucks to be a grad student from what I've seen. Whoa whoa whoa! I think <laughs> it depends on the program. It depends on the program. I think that Noah will have a great time. Yeah. So so like the urban planning department at MIT is pretty chill as far as like yeah as far as graduate programs go. But like the physics department at MIT fucking sucks. It is the oh. worst. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, boom, 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 there, there, there. Ah, I'm dancing in in in, in my room right now. After you're shooting, you're shooting the carpet and stuff. I, I, I'm shitting the car- Did you say I'm shitting the carpet. Shooting. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm, I don't worry. Even if I shit the carpet, I still have my toilet paper. But he doesn't have anyone to 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 wipe it for him. Oh, I got it. <laughs> but also, I don't have anybody to see that I shit uh, the carpet. <laughs> so how do I know that I actually did uh. shit the carpet if no one's there to to acknowledge it? What were you going to say about the physics department? Uh, oh, no, yeah. I've I've also heard the same thing. Um, I mean, uh, I'm trying to remember how many years ago now. Like, maybe two and a half, three years ago, there was um, a couple people in the physics department that got together and came up with, like, a values code, um, a value statement for the entire department for people to to follow because, I mean, there's there's problems with professors, but also, like, problems with, like, within student community with people saying, like, you know, if you don't take these classes, you're not a true physicist or whatever. Because there's there's a stigma behind uh, wanting to be an experimental physicist and being a theoretical physicist where people think that one is much better than the other. And I think in most cases, the, they would say that theoretical physics is much better than experimental physics. Though that might, might, might be the case because people only would take, like, one and at the max maybe two experimental lab classes at MIT as a physics major. It's called J-Lab. Um, besides that, every class is strictly go to lecture, do a P-set, let's it on or do it on paper, that's it. It's all theoretical stuff. Um, you might have to code for some of them, but that's really the extent of what you would do. You don't go to the lab and do things. So there's, there's, that, there's that stigma. And there's also just like, oh, if you don't take, say, quantum field theory, um, that's like something that you hear a lot. Or like if you don't take quantum field theory, like you you don't you know you're not you're missing out or you're you know you're not doing what you can as an MIT student, which is obviously not true. Like I'm taking it now, but that's just because I've already exhausted all the other classes I wanted to take at MIT as an undergrad. Um, I've already taken a few grad classes at this point, so uh, and I'm also going to be taking it when I enter UT. So I thought um, I might as well just take it now so I can have like a good head start. But it's literally not necessary because it is only for this particular field of physics like you don't if you're going to be doing like like nonlinear dynamics or uh biophysics or anything like i don't know what the fuck you'd be wanting to take uft it's 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 a waste of time yeah and and that like pissing contest about like various fields and like oh you're not a real whatever if you do experimental versus theoretical uh, also also with biology like also also the stigma against just biology in general at mit well there's yeah there's that fucking like xkcd comic like the the purity scale thing of like purity of field and it's like real like like I'm not sure what uh, Randall Monroe's intention was in creating that graph. Like, I I know like what he 
like is saying with it, right? Like I know that he's saying like, oh, like math is the purest field by far, and there's this like competition and hierarchy or whatever. But like I don't know like why he decided that that would be a good comic to make. Like oh, I, I don't know if he was entrenched in that attitude and that like pissing contest like himself if he thought that that was like a sort of valuable thing or if he was like poking fun at it a little bit. Um, like, I'm not really sure about it, but, you know, as, as someone who is like went from math to like in social sciences, like if you reach the platonic ideal of whatever, like whatever bullshit pissing contest you're trying to strive for with like, oh, you're not a real physicist. If you, it's like you're impressing like what at, at most you're impressing like 50 people or 200 people or whatever, however many people it is like, like, it's like, oh, congratulations. Like you're a th- theoretical physicist, like statistically, like your accomplishments, like aren't going to mean a lot to a lot of people, like for the rest of time. And like, I- I'm not saying that to disparage the field of physics. I think that people like, like should be free to study whatever they want. Like, and of course people are going to do it for whatever reasons they want, but it's like at the end of the day, like having this, like, you know, dick measuring contest about like which field is better at X or which field is better at Y. It doesn't matter. Like all it does is just sort of like, like lead people sort of astray in one direction or another like people who like would really like the field of like whatever experimental physics for example like they feel pressured to to do something that they don't want to do um as a, as a result of, of of the pissing contest and they're like pressured in one way where it's like oh this is the purest thing and this is whatever or they see that that dick measuring contest and they're just like disgusted by the whole thing and they're like fuck it i'm just going to be an english major or whatever um, so I don't know. I, I find that like attitude to be so like destructive and like just a bunch of bullshit at the end of the day. So that's why you're not going to grad school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see through the bricks to the sea crumbling castle inching closer each century crumbling castle. I was just thinking about content creation, given that we were talking about the podcast, and I was thinking about all the content that's being created as a result of this pandemic, all the new stuff, and also like the systems in place that are have have had to change. Like news, every day is like really weird because like obviously all news starts off with information about the coronavirus. Um. Also, like, advertisements have changed, you know? Like, obviously, you wouldn't see an advertisement saying, like, oh, we're still open and we're still serving X, Y, and Z. <laughs> we're still alive. Yeah. Not the business. The, the business owners. The business is dead. I don't know if you guys heard about Wendy's, for example, but they were having trouble sourcing some meat products. Um, and I noticed that Wendy's on Mass Ave is serving only chicken products, just, like, how people, how advertising and how people's tones have shifted. Um, and I think that this podcast too is obviously different than our radio show back in the day, right? Yeah, well, because because the radio, the radio show, the way it worked, at least when you were on the ones and twos, is it would be about five minutes of talking, um, and you would cut us off like after thirty seconds of dialogue. And this is just this is just mm-hmm. this is just the dialogue part, just just expanded into an hour. Interesting. I have some funny stories about that Wendy's or or just about or that part of Boston, I guess. I guess you were there a lot because your strings like would your guitar strings would constantly explode. Yeah. OK. Yes. My OK. That for like a half a year or a year, I think it was probably like it was more than half a year. Yeah. My guitar strings would explode every single time I touched them because of how 
hot fire my my playing skills are <laughs> um so i always had to shell out like five bucks or, or whatever to to guitar center uh but 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 this isn't really the story for, that, that i was talking about like i was um uh, last year prior to spring break i was going to go with some friends well i guess on spring break to to italy and so we were going to get some uh some money at like some currency exchange place at, at a mall in in boston i think in the in the i think in the prudential by the way, I just want to say that, like, the idea of going on a spring break trip to Italy this year is just, like, completely oh. <laughs> just, like, 1,000% not the thing to do. So so it was good that you went last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you say that, but I, I, I became incredibly sick as soon as we landed. And for the entire seven days we were there, my head was exploding every other second this is not an exaggeration you can ask some of the people that were that were there with me yeah they had to they, the cleanup was a horrible oh, process. I, I, no i was i was absolutely miserable i i hated every single moment of it i mean i i liked what i saw but physically me physically being there was just not good anyway lead up to that we were getting some euros in exchange for some of our dollar dues that we had and where i was like oh i'm hungry let's get some food and so my two friends who were with me, we were trying to find some food, but I didn't like any of the, or I don't know if we liked any of the places in the mall. Um, I know I didn't. So we were just like, okay, let's try to find a McDonald's or something nearby. So we went outside and we uh, ended up going to a, like a nearby CVS because we, we needed to get a electrical outlet, but that was specific for, for Europe, I guess, for their outlets. But on the, on the, along the way, there was like this woman that stopped me. Uh, or she tried to stop my friends because she was trying to talk to them about like some mystical, spiritual thing that she had and some pamphlets. And then uh, she ended up and then she tried to stop my friends. But then like I was like walking slowly and then she talked to me and then me being me, I was like, oh, hey, what's up? And then I <laughs> and then I like conversed with her for like a couple seconds till my friends like shouted at me. I was like, OK, I have to go. Sorry. That was the first mistake. Second mistake was where we got our stuff from CVS. It uh, we're at that part of Boston. I don't remember exactly what you know, like Green Line stop we're at, but we're get to Newberry Street because we were trying to get some food. And then I was like, oh, there's a Wendy's um, next next to the Guitar Center where I you know get my strings after they explode. So I was like, let's go there. And while we're on our way, we're walking on Newberry Street, and there's this there's like a bookstore. I think next to Newberry Comics that we were thinking of going in because um, it's like a, it was like sort of like a diner as well. Actually, I think we did go in, but I don't know if we liked the food, so we left. But there was this elderly man who approached us and talked to us and was asking for donations for like uh, for like some children's charity thing. And then uh, my friend said, "Oh no, sorry, we don't we're, we're not carrying any money." Uh, which I was obviously bullshit because we all just came back from the mall with with we have euros in our pockets, right, or in our wallets. I mean, if you'd given them euros, it probably would have been super confusing. You'd think that. I tell the man asked me, and I'm like, sorry, I don't, I'm not carrying any dollars, but I do have euros. Um, and then he's like, well, perfect. And then he like uh, takes out like it's mail, but it's like not like sealed or anything. It's like so you can like fill it out and put it in like the letter and then seal it back up i forgot what what specific like thing it was but it turned out he wasn't lying it was a real charity thing and it also accepted euros and then as soon as he said that i was like uh uh sorry because <laughs> uh, i mean because like i you know we we're gonna use it for spring break because i had no idea how much i was like you know 
things are fucking expensive for that. Oh, actor, you're and a terrible person. I know. I as soon as as soon as that like as soon as I said, "Oh, sorry," I realized what I had done, and the guy just like looked at me like I was like some piece of scum shit, which I was, and he just like walked away after he said, or he like said something like something to that effect, but like not as harsh. But it was like the effect was harsh, and then my friends just absolutely started like laughing, and he's like, "See, this is what happens when you talk to people in Boston," because like they specifically told me not to talk to people. After I talked to that like lady <laughs> near the CVS, right, and I was like, "Well, shit." So, uh, so that happened, and then we got to the Wendy's, and we, I think, I forget if this was before or after we entered the Wendy's and got some food. Uh, there was a couple of guys on bikes that entered the store, and then like uh, some lady that was like exiting whatever was had this like weird menacing look on her face, and she said she had a knife or something, and like was just like I think casually just threatening people or us. I forget. I don't remember. And then we got in and got our food, but then there was like some like guys on bikes that also came in. And are also being belligerent. Um, yeah, city life is is pretty cool. Um, I had a fun. Uh, it was and that all, that all happened in the span of uh, about two hours. <sighs> Hour forty two. See, this is what happens when you mention Wendy's. You, you say that, and then and then and then I have to go into this long sh- tangent on near death experiences. Oh, do I have a story on Wendy's? <laughs> 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 Uh, no, I, I think that I have sort of deduced the some some of the some of the dynamics on this podcast, <laughs> and, and I think that like uh, the, the, Noah, you've never told a story on the podcast. I'm pretty sure. Um, and you, you tend to have like very like short sort of like interjections most of the time. Like I think there's only one one time that you've ever like really went off on something super long, and that was like when we were talking about not voting for Joe Biden, and and and, and that is that, that and that's just something that I wanted to say out loud. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta raise up you gotta raise up those quotas, Bucko. Hey Noah, uh huh. I would like you to uh, talk at length about something that you care about. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like Hadrian has has identified my two main methods of communication, like one of which is just like trying to be funny in very like short interjections, which is like ninety percent of the words that come out of my mouth just in my life, and then like the rest of the time is like when I feel that it's actually worthwhile to like elaborate on something on which I'm highly opinionated. It comes out, but like I'm like I don't I don't just like spontaneously say things that I'm highly opinionated on most of the time. Because I want yeah. like people, like I, like I want to to like to be decently confident that people actually give a shit about it. Well, that's what me and Hector are for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about Nazi films? You know, I'm your guy. <laughs> and feed them into a machine learning algorithm that can generate generate new content 
<laughs> and we, we can put out hundreds of podcasts every hour. <laughs> they don't all have to be in English. That's really important. 